I think I'm not going to cry today. Yes, I'm going to try. Great story, already. Great story, great, great story. Are we, are we on? Hi, everybody. I heard we on. Thank you for being patient with me. Prepare some uh, music for you, some story for you. Again, the purpose of the storytelling is that we can uh, learn something out of it. I mean, it's the purpose is to have fun, but at the same time change and have some... Uh, Idea, I feel to true story, a lot of heart can be open, and we are now in a time where uh, a lot of heart open in one direction, but close in the other direction. We're nervous, we're upset, but as I showed you my prediction that hopefully in November uh, we get a huge clarity, and I said by December you can plan your trip. Those of you who heard my prediction, and uh, March... Try to plan the trip with us to Israel. So I've already told you a little bit about the future, not because I know better. It's because sometimes the one above, uh, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm talking about God, but the force above me um, uh, showing me information that can be uh, good for all of us. Is everybody there? Is they ready? Huh? Good. So I would like to start with a story. The first story is, of course, the, the master of all master the story that uh, there is so many stories about the Baal Shem Tov. And uh, the question is why the Baal Shem Tov was. Who the Baal Shem Tov was? I mean, Baal Shem Tov, when you think about the Baal Shem Tov, I don't know if you think about the human being or an angel. And the soul, you know, when the soul comes to this world, uh, it's a great soul, you know, a great soul coming to the world. What is a soul? And what is a great soul? I mean, the soul is, is what carry, you know, the body carry the soul within it. The soul is like a spark. And when the soul come down to this world in the body, it's not about the body. It's about the spirit, about the soul uh, to make a difference. So the story go like that. The Baal Shem Tov used to be known for his certainty. Everything about Baal Shem Tov was certainty. Like, when you ask the Baal Shem Tov a question, it was an answer right away. You know, it was not even a waiting. It was pure answer, sweet answer. You know, when you say the name Baal Shem Tov, you feel, you feel the creator, you feel sweet, you feel good things are happening, you feel just greatness. So, the story goes like that. One of the students of the Baal Shem asked him, what should I do for a living? He said, I should be a chazan. Chazan means cantor. They want to pray, you know, um, uh, for one of people. And uh, he tell him that should be uh, uh, your job. And he said to him, uh, Master, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to sing very well. He said, it doesn't matter, I want to connect with the Olama Nigun, the world of music, because we know whatever exists in the physical universe exists in the upper universe and the non-physical universe. And in that metaphysical universe as the universe, the chamber of music. And the Baal Shem Tov said, I want you to connect to that chamber. It's a very important chamber. Of course, with the Baal Shem Tov talk, it's not something that we can fully understand in this physical universe to our five senses, we, we capture some of the thing, but we capture it through the five senses, we don't capture them to the essence of what it is. 
And he become a chazan, he become a cantor. And as he become a cantor, uh, he was traveling the country. When I say country, I mean Ukraine and the area. And he, the people call him the Bar Shem of Chazan, Bar Shem of Cantor. Yeah, unbelievable music, right? So, after many, many years, you know, getting older, and the student of the student of the Bar Shem Tov, you all know his name, Rabbi Elimelech of Lijensk. And uh, <clears throat> I don't need to tell you about who, how great was Rabbi Elimelech, the greatest of all great, I mean, Unbelievable. And Rabbi Lemelech uh, saw that he arrived to stay in his area for Shabbat. So he gave him a lot, a lot of respect because he knew this is the Chazan, this is the cantor of the Baal Shem Tov. But he was worried that if we will sing with everybody else, you know, because once you pray for Shabbat, it's the Sabbath, once you pray, you know, when you do it with the right music, with the right melody, you know, the vibration of the word, the vibration of the music, the vibration of everything you do, it's elevate everything to the levels of the chambers of the angels. Because we know that the angels are singing as well. So when you sing here, when you play music here, you are, have an affinity with the chamber of the of the angels above. So it's become one. You can bring the angel down. You can go to the level of the angels. So it's kind of... Uh, uh, powerful, you know, when you sing. To those of you who don't like to sing, those of you who think you have a terrible voice, it's not about the voice, it's not about how good you are. When you try to sing or when you sing or when you dance and you do any type of music, you're activating the, the angel's universe. And um, uh, they said we have to respect him. So maybe for Kabbalah Shabbat, meaning when the Shabbat enter, there's a special melody, it's called Lechadodi. So they decided that he will be the chazan, he will be the cantor for that. And Rabbi Lebelech looked at him that when he's praying, uh, he realized that the music take his mind off the secret meditation that the Baal Shem Tov gave him. So just to make sure we're clear, Baal Shem Tov was his master who teach him and told him that he needed to be a cantor. After Baal Shem Tov is gone, now... He's traveling to Lijensk. Lijensk is the city of Abil Amelech. Abil Amelech is watching him. He's a very respectful man, obviously. But he see that while he's trying to meditate on the words and the singing at the same time, the music taken away from the secret meditation that he know. And uh, uh, he didn't know what to do in one way. He didn't want to embarrass the Chazan. So tell him not to do it anymore. But in the other hand, you have to give him a lot of respect because after after all he was the cantor of the Baal Shem Tov. So uh, it was, you know, sometimes you're running to that situation in life when you are, you got to do the right thing, which is the right thing for the individual that you do the right thing for them. But in the same time, you might insult them. So what Rabbi Lemelech did, I said to him, can you come, you know, Let's let's have a little dinner after the Sabbath. You know, the Hasidim, the, the people, the Kabbalists, used to have dinner on Saturday night. When Shabbat is over, they all meet. They, they have uh, special food being made on Saturday night. It's, it's considered the one that brings money to your house. So when you eat on Saturday night with meditation, it's the money that you're going to have for the week. It's a very, very powerful meal. It's called the fourth meal 
of the Sabbath. So, the Rabbi Levelech uh, said to him, tell me about our master, the Baal Shem Tov. Tell me who he was. What did he teach you? I said, well, <laughs> let me tell you. He said, when the Baal Shem Tov pray, every line of the prayer, every word that we say, have an angel that's in charge of that uh, line. If the Baal Shem Tov wouldn't see the angel arrive to that line, he wouldn't start saying the words. When he said the Alel, which is a special prayer for Swadesh, he would wait for the angel to arrive. Every letter, every word, every sentence, and an angel that come with that sentence. Can you imagine like, to pray like that? And uh, I'm thinking like, I'm reading it and uh, more about the Barashim that he told Rabbi Lemelech. So he said, when he see, let's say you made something for him, he would know the person who make it. What kind of person is he? What kind of tikkun he has? What kind of thing he need to do? It was tremendous, 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 tremendous to Bar And he said, the idea uh, of my teacher, the Bar he said, when he pray or when he speak Torah, it was almost as Moses came down from the Mount Sinai. He was able to carry that flame. After that, after he, he met Rabbi Lebrachim you know, he died. And uh, the person who walked with him wherever he go was a person in those days, because you can't play on instrument on Shabbat, uh, why you can't? Because it creates separation. You have to create vibration with your voice, not with the instrument. So the person he brought with him, wherever he go, was with bass voice. Because he make one voice, and the person next to him make, make bass. And uh, when he died, uh, the person who made the bass voice told his wife uh, uh, to prepare ten people for the burial and to prepare uh, uh, 10 people to say Kaddish and all this after that. She, she, the wife looked at him and said, what are you talking about? He said, well, in the heaven, they want to do Kabbalah Shabbat with him and the Baal Shem Tov, with that Chazan, with the Kento in heaven. And I know that he cannot do it without me because without my bass voice, his voice doesn't come out. So I know wherever he go, I go. And that's what happened, and he died. What's the purpose of this story? What can we learn from that? A few things. First, there is a chamber of melody and music, and we have to sing. Even if your voice is not that great, sing. you got to sing, because the singing, the music itself, activating a chamber in heaven. Uh, a second thing, a true essence of friendship. Friendship don't die in this world. Friendship continue to the next world to come. People that you love so much and people who love you so much, they will be with you wherever you go. They will be with you in this physical world. They will be with you in the next world to come. And they will be with you when the resurrection will take place. They are with you. You're never going to say goodbye. You think you're saying goodbye, but you never say goodbye. They are with you wherever you go. Forever. This is your true friend. This is the people with you. I'm not talking about just people on just hello, but people you care about so much and you, they care about you with your fault, with your problem, just love. 
And we need to build a relationship like that with people. We need to get to that. We need to pursue friendship as like talk to people. When the last time somebody pursued you and said to you, I want to be your friend, I want to be your real friend. Don't, don't, don't let things go away from you. This is an opportunity to connect. So there is a melody that when I used to walk in the street, sometimes 20-something <laughs> years ago, and sometimes you, you're a bit down, and you sing a melody. You don't know the words for that melody. It's a melody. And then, you know, I heard it from Rabbi Shlomo Karlibach. Uh, then I heard it from Rabbi Shlomo Katz. And uh, one of the things that uh, shook me, one of the lectures that shook me to understand that we are all different, but we can still be friends. There is a wonderful uh, storyteller, I think one of the best teachers I met, one of the best storytellers I met, he lives in uh, Toronto, Canada. I, I don't know if he will ever hear it, but if he will hear it, please tell him that I said that. His name is Abe, Abe Ardun. You know, and he says something so beautiful, so beautiful, God bless his soul. And he said, uh, some story, I, don't, I skipped the details, synagogue, and he saw one person behave that way, one person behave that way. And sometimes we look at people and we judge people and we need to understand that, can you imagine if all people would be the same? If all people would be the same, then what would be life like? So you need the positive, the negative, the mid-negative, mid-positive, because together we create what we call a community. So just a melody to connect to the Chazan of the Barashem to connect to the Cantor of the Barashem And I want to tell you something, a story. Uh, the story goes, when I went to the cemetery of the Barashem Tov, and uh, what I found out, that next to him, live, uh, uh, live, <laughs> he is alive. Next to him, next to his grave, uh, is the person who blew the shofar for the Bar Shem Tov. And I never blew the shofar until, just to let you know, until four years ago, three years ago. Three, I think, three. Three years ago, guys, can you imagine? And I had to run a community, and running the community, I tried to hire a different rabbi to blow the shofar for me. Nobody want to do it, even for money. I found myself... I had to do it, and then I asked the soul of the student of the Baal Shem Tov, not the Kent of the shofar blower, if he can help me, and a miracle happened. All of a sudden, my lips start blowing the shofar, and I just hope that for my people, uh, I was able to create uh, a good ear within this stuff here. So let's do the melody. This is just two quarters of you have keyboard or drum in the house. Take the pieces. If you don't have anything in the house, take a pot, take a spoon and fork and do it with me. Doesn't matter what you have. Do it on a table. It's very, very easy. E minor, A minor, it's so easy.
find you well as we're going now to a different story and this story is about Rabbi Elimelech of Lijensk of course those of you who never have been there Rabbi Elimelech of Lijensk uh, what can I tell you um, unique unique place in Poland five hours away from the airport in Warsaw Warsaw so, 
uh, it was a, a, a great rabbi who came to see Rabbi Elimelech, and we know Rabbi Elimelech was very humble, very down to earth. And that Rabbi used to be very religious and very spiritual. But the way that he was spiritual and religious, he was working on fasting, food, fasting, talk. It's all about how can he suffer more. He believed that if he restrict himself uh, uh, um, uh, as much as he can, then he will reach the highest level. And um, when he came to see the greatest Rabbi Elimelech, Rabbi Elimelech even didn't even say hello to him. Nothing. No hello, no Shabbat Shalom, nothing. He reached out to Rabbi Elimelech, Rabbi Elimelech turned the other way. He looked at Rabbi Elimelech, Rabbi Elimelech turned his head away from him. Whatever he, he did with Rabbi Elimelech, Rabbi Elimelech didn't give him the energy. So he came from the window to listen to the Torah of the Rabbi Elimelech, and he saw that uh, Rabbi Elimelech in his lecture said, all of a sudden, there is some people, you know, uh, um, that are just make themselves suffer, and by making themselves suffer for 12 years, like he did, and they're asking me to bless them for that. And all what they do, they do for the ego, because they're just busy with themselves. That's what Rabbi Lemelech say in his lecture. Now he's watching Rabbi Lemelech through the window. And of course, uh, when he heard that, without the Baal Shem Tov, knew even that he's around, when he say that, that person start to be breaking up and realize uh, that maybe he did the right thing by being spiritual, extra spiritual and extra effort, but he was so much restricting himself that it didn't do what meant to be done by a spiritual person. And because of that, when he realized that he was broken, he was like so sad, so sad. And uh, at that moment, he decided to go home because he was so ashamed that he's so busy with his ego to do the right thing. Fasting, not talking, uh, you know, really, really restricting himself. And he realized that he was maybe doing the perfect spiritual thing, but it was not busy with people. He was not busy with the pain of another human being. He was busy being righteous. He was busy getting a title of a righteous. And when he was broken uh, so much, uh, he started crying. Rabbi Lemelech get off his table in those days, you know, the rabbi would never get off the table. It's like a king. And run to him and give him a hug. And he called him by his name. He said, David, Rabbi David, it's so good of you to come to be with us. And he doesn't get it. He's there already for five days. The guy doesn't even say hello to him. But look at him. And his son, look at Rabbi Lemelech, say, for five days you don't even say hello to the guy. Now you say hello. He said, the same guy that I didn't say hello to, it's not the same guy that I'm saying hello to right now. And we need to understand what it means. You know, and that story was suggested to me by my daughter, Rachel. She suggested I should share it with you. And... And the words like this, Abba, this is the same person that you didn't want to talk to. You couldn't even look into his eyes. It was disgusting by his behavior. 
אצלנו, הלא היה איש אחר לגמרי. ועלי זה הרי הוא רבי דוד חביבנו. This is the great Kabbalist to say, נאמר רבי דוד, the dear to our heart. And what do we learn from that, my friend? I don't know about you guys, but a lot of us sometimes we work on ourselves. And when you work on yourself, sometimes the ego gets involved. You work on yourself to be perfect spiritual person. When you're busy being perfect spiritual person, you might achieve it, you might not, but you forget about your surrounding. Are you helping the world? Is your existing benefit the universe or your existing just benefit you? If it just benefit you and your family, you might be perfectly righteous, religious, spiritual, but your existence doesn't reflect on others. And those type of people are not adding to the world. They're adding to themselves. And for that reason, the same way that Rabbi Elimelech looked at that student, the same way sometimes uh, God looking at us. So, suggest, idea, is we need to work on how is my existence add to everybody else. You know, as you can see, I'm talking to a big microphone here in front of my mouth, which thank to Rob and Michelle to arrange it. And Rob felt the pain that we didn't do it right, so that's why he go out of his way and did all what he did. And I didn't know Rob very well, and I'm sorry if I'm saying his name, uh, until something happened to me in Rav Ashlag. Uh, those of you know, uh, I hear people talk, you know, voices, whatever, it's dead people or angels. And Rav Ashlag, you know, the master of all master, told me be aware of, of Rob before I even knew Rob. And uh, I believe what Rob did with the mic to make sure it's available for everybody, whatever it worked for you or not, I don't know, I'm not on the other end. It does work. Okay. So that's what it means to do things uh, in a way for others. So maybe some people are so busy being spiritual, so busy, busy being religious and all this and that. But in the end of the day, it's those things that are matter. You know, what is needed? Let's say what vital needed now? What vital missing? We have to find one thing that we can give. Same thing I did with my teacher. Always looking, what can I add? to my teacher, what can I add to the surrounding? And every time that you think like that, you're already spiritual. Anyway. This song, I was trying it. Hopefully it will work. <laughs> said it's the song from uh, uh, Book of Psalm from King David it's <laughs> to all my brother and friend to all my sister and friend I'm asking peace for you it's a great great song that we can send it to you the words later it's in English too Do <laughs> 
is the house, the house of Hashem, I wish. This is the house, the house of Hashem, I wish the best for you. This is the house, the house of Hashem, wish the best for you. This is the house, the house of Hashem, wish the best for you. I wish the best for you. This is the house, the house of Hashem. Wish the best for you. I like this song. I like this song. Please uh, listen to it as much as you can. Are we good there? Yeah? People can hear it, okay? So, I have another story here. I was thinking if to share it or not to share it. <laughs> Maybe I will share it and see how that's going to go. There is a, normally, between Rosh Hashanah to Sivchat Torah, there is an act that you do to get rid of all your negativity. We call it Tashlich. The tradition is that on the second, on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, uh, just before Mincha, people go, some people go with a piece of bread to the ocean, or to the river, or the lake, and they throw this piece of bread, and they say a certain prayer, to basically, um, to get rid of all the negativity that ever accumulate during the year, because for the year as collecting all the negativity, and then you get rid of it. And, uh, so you're supposed to do it once a year. Uh, most people do it in the first day of Rosh Hashanah. Um, I do it in a different time. And uh, you're welcome to do it between Rosh Hashanah till Rosh Hashanah That's the, the frame that you got to get rid of your negativity. And we, once the time comes, you know, you ask Debbie or myself and we send you the whole prayer what to do and how to do that. But the story goes like this. It's about the Jose of Lublin. Ah, the Seer of Lublin. Ah, 
can I say it? Seer of Lovlin is so humble that when you go to his place, you don't even feel anything. <laughs> don't feel anything. He did everything that he did. And I believe when you go to a place of a tzaddik, of a righteous person, you don't feel a lot of things. It's either you're not clean, <laughs> either the person was reincarnated already, or either you don't need that specific help in your life. Sir of Lovlin went to the river and uh, to throw the piece of bread of his negativity. His student named Rabbi Naftali was not there. And all the students see him running to the river. And they tell him, listen, the Rebbe already finished. He did already the action. Why are you, why are you running so fast? The Rebbe already went home. And uh, he says something so beautiful. So I'm going to the river to collect a little bit of the sin that my rabbi threw to the river. When you respect a teacher, I don't know if you ever have that merit to respect a teacher. I did. I mean, I was very blessed to respect many people who taught me. And uh, like my DNA, my who I am, people call me leader, but I'm actually a servant. I'm a servant first. It's easier for me to be a servant than to be a leader. I enjoy being a servant. Love to serve. You know, I know some people look at it as a down thing. For me, it brings me a great joy to be a servant. So I was a servant of many great Kabbalists in my life. I mean, thank God. I never sorry about any service that I did. You know, and when I serve, uh, I want to perfect myself to become the great servant. So I understand that story and that story touched me. You chase your teacher without anything else exists because your teacher carry within him the good and the bad. No teacher is perfect. No teacher is an angel. Every teacher has good thing he does and bad thing he does. But the bad thing that the teacher does, he threw in the ocean, on the river, before Yom Kippur, before Sukkot, throw it, get rid of it. If the people start thinking that the teacher is a god, that becomes a problem. That's not that's illegal spiritually because that's idol worshiping. But the teacher is a human being that carry study and uh, wisdom and angels and all kind of secret, and the teacher want to pass it into you. So when you serve your teacher, when you become like serving your teacher with I don't know with tea, with orange juice, with some nice picture on the wall, or I don't know what you want to give. When you're giving, you have to think of it. You have to think of it that I'm serving my teacher because I want to connect to his soul, not to his outside, to his soul. So whatever it is, thing that you give, doesn't have to be a lot. It has to be how you do it. So when I used to make my teacher, let's say, bagel, one time I did the bagel, my teacher said, nobody else make bagel from now on, only a layout. Everybody asked, what was special? He said, it's not the way, he said, actually, layout is very messy. But when you eat the bagel of Eliyahu, he used to say to the other student, I feel that I'm getting food. And people get jealous, they get upset, but it's a true story. And uh, the idea is you want to serve because you want to do it 
for you. You, you want to give because you want to do it for you. And it's a feeling that I cannot describe until you actually commit to do it. If you do it because you want to get a title as the best servant, it's not going to work. If you do it because you want to connect with love to the soul of your teacher, it's absolutely going to work. So it's a, it's either a gift that comes to you from the creator, or either you see it in your childhood, or either you're just lucky to find the right teacher and, and you serve the right teacher. I learned it from my mom. I learned it from my mom. I saw how she treats people of spirituality since I was five. And my mom was chasing uh, holy people to give them food and to give them money. And I never understood why my mom do it in such a fanatic way. And she used to tell me this is a very big deal. She learned it from her father, my grandfather. And used to be a old man passing by with the jalabia, with the white robe in the street where we live, on the street called uh, Tumpelo. So he used to pass and going from side to side. And I was very sick as a kid. My mom always hoped to meet this gentleman on the way to the hospital. And he always was there. My mom always gave him money. Always gave him money, always gave him food. And he always blessed me. And I saw it with my own eyes. So when she told me, did you meet somebody new, somebody holy? Every time I said to my mom, I met somebody holy, she would cook right away. And she would bring like four pots, one with something called chaim, it's a, it's a fish dish, one with meat, one with couscous, one with this. And she sent me with boxes to give to the righteous person. I said, please, please make the righteous bless us. We need his help. And the only way to get blessing is the vessel of giving. And I was touched by that. That actually the giver is the receiver. You only can receive through giving. And so when Rabbi Naftali went and ran to his teacher, it's almost like you know your teacher is not perfect. But you know that what he throws to the river is maybe higher. It's higher than the good things that you already have. <laughs> but to get to that level, it's not, it's a commitment, it's a surrender. And uh, I'm very blessed to meet many teachers in my life that I serve with pride. And I enjoy serving my students as well. Just my, some of my students think it doesn't look good when I serve students. But I enjoy doing that. I enjoy serving. Because I believe in the work of serving, you find God. You don't find God in leadership. I mean, you find God in feeling the pain of your student. You find God in serving people higher than you. That's where you find God. You can't find God in just being a leader and look forward and not look backward. You gotta find if you one of your people have pain. One of the people you know have pain. This is Whatever you're going to do, whatever you can to save. So, isn't that an embarrassing moment? So, do you know, I have a gift of somebody give me a, a, a jacuzzi that you, what, what do you get? Inflammable? Inflammable jacuzzi for my mikveh. So, we didn't know how to clean it, so we cleaned it yesterday. It was a mess. And after we cleaned it, I saw there is a bee. <laughs> A bee was uh, uh, dying within the water. And I tried to save the bee and I started talking to her. So, uh, <laughs> a 
family saw me talking to to the water. They thought I lost my mind all of a sudden after being in the house for too long. And I was talking to the bee, <laughs> and it's a little ego, so, but I'm sharing the story because I think it can be a lesson. I was talking to the bee, I said, don't die on me now. This is not the right time to die. Not the right time now. I tell, and I started talking to the bee, I said, listen, if I take it in my hand, you're going to bite me. And then you're going to die, and I'm going to be in pain. So I'm going to bring a paper and a plastic. We're going to get you out of here, the dry land, and you're going to survive. So please be patient. I'm getting you out. And it took me some time, and I was worried that the bee will die. And in the end, I was able, actually, to get the bee out. And the bee was drying itself out, and I was very happy about it. If you don't have that pain and feeling of other people, and you cannot serve a bee, and you cannot serve your dog, and you cannot serve your cat, you cannot serve the birds, you cannot serve a human being, you cannot serve people. I, I don't get the fun out of life. I really don't. I mean, I'm trying. I know, I know there is a lot of fun about life, about food, and about dancing and sex, so I know all the other wonderful things. But there is so much more incredible fun of helping another human being. That's what I think. So that's a story about the Seer of Lovlin. I have another story from the Seer of Lovlin. Then we have a music, and then I say bye-bye to you. The story, Seer of Lovlin, that's also by my daughter, Acheli. So, again, the Seer of Lovlin was a unique Kabbalist who, who, who passed away on the line of Av. And uh, because he, he was excommunicate, uh, he was always laughing because he knew the day he will die, it will be Tisha B'Av. And usually in nine days of Av, everybody sit on the floor. And when people die, people sit on the floor. And he told all the rabbis, as much as all of you against me, you're all going to sit in the day that I will pass on from this world. And that exactly happened, that he died on Tisha B'Av. So the story goes that some of the rabbi went and tell him, you're not the greatest. They tell the, the Seer of Revelation, you're not the greatest rabbi, you're not the greatest leader. But still people come to you, a lot of people following you. It doesn't make sense. We are way better than you in the Torah. We are better than you in spirituality. And here we go. And uh, he said, you're right. He said, you're right. He said, I don't know what to do. They're just coming to me. I agree with you that you are much higher than me in spirituality. But for some reason, they come to me. So the rabbi said, you should maybe tell them that you are not as great as we are. Tell them. So he said, okay, I will do it. He went in front of the crowd. And he said, people, uh, uh, he said to all the students, he said, you cannot consider me a teacher anymore. You cannot give me the respect that you're giving me. You have to stop doing it. And all the people, instead of doing it, they said, my God, our leader is so humble. 
he make himself into nothing. He doesn't want uh, to make himself with ego. So, and he tried to tell them, I'm not a tzaddik as you think me, but it didn't work out. Um, so, they came back to him, the rabbi says, so what happened? You have now more followers. Why do you think is that? They tried to study. He said, why are they coming to you so much? And they don't come to us. And he answered like that. And I'm going to say it in Hebrew because it's so beautiful. They're coming to me because I wonder why they're coming to me. I'm just a simple person. Yes, I teach a little bit and I give some lecture, but I'm a simple person. And they don't come to you because you are wondering why not they're, not, they're not coming to you. That's the answer you give. Just think about it, my friend. Are you wondering why you don't have money? Or are you wondering why you have money? Are you wondering why you have so many clients even if you don't do that much? Or you wonder, how come I don't have a client? I do so much. It's exactly... It's exactly how things work. Some of us thinking, you know, how did I have so much in my life and I'm not doing enough to have so much in my life. And some of us say, how come I do so much in my life and I don't have enough? Think about it, my friend. You want to join the seer of Lovlin and that consciousness and ask, so much how come I have so much and this is the secret of life I wrote in my book those of you who read that book it's a book of verses and motivation or verses and I write about what is unity and what is separation say so when unity uh, the separation is when everybody going on the right direction together and everybody looking to get credit and unity so my books, I don't remember the exact word, is when everybody is basically something like going in the wrong direction maybe, but nobody looking for a credit for themselves. I don't remember the exact quote, but it's a beautiful thing that I wrote. It was 3 a.m. in the morning. And it touched me a lot about unity. Most organizations are being destroyed Because fight among them. I predicted some of the things that we're experiencing now. Exactly three years ago, I told it to Debbie four years ago, actually. Debbie knew about it. I didn't know some of the people who listen to my lecture now. Uh, Yvette, those of you know Yvette, Yvette knew about it. And um, I want to dedicate this lecture for Yvette, actually, to feel better. And uh, 
to be great again like she was before because she's coming back thank god to Yvette and um, that's it I'm gonna just play a melody for you that I like very much did I do it? I don't remember if I did it I think I did it oh this I didn't do it's not a melody it's a song actually it's a song that I sang when I was walking into the street of Uruguay and I didn't know if I would have a place to sleep at that night. And I didn't know if I would have food. And I didn't know how to take care of another four people that were with me. And I was much younger than today. I was 25. And I look at the heaven and I said, Dear God in heaven, you know, I don't have wisdom in me to solve this problem. Neither I know where to go. Neither I know the Spanish language. I have no idea what to do. And I was walking in the street, crying. And motivated myself with this song. I said, I have to believe. And then a lady stopped the car with her two daughters. They speak Spanish to me. I have no idea what they were saying. And I said, no habla. No, no habla. Hebreo. Hebreo, English. That's it, what I said. I said, si, si. I said, no, I'm in, into mysticism and Kabbalah. I said, Kabbalah, si, si. <laughs> I get into the car. <laughs> I don't even know where they're taking me. And... This woman, God bless her soul, she's a friend of uh, Guba. Guba is using her place in Uruguay, in Argentina. She lives in Argentina now. I wish, I wish I can bring her online and thank her in Spanish. I think I have a friend, Andrea, in Argentina. She can find her for me. I really need that person. If you can help me to tell Andrea to find that woman. Only Guba knows her number. Uh, so Guba can actually give the number. But what I'm trying to say, in the worst time of your life, Reach out to the Creator, and I promise you, you're going to find it. So the song called Chai is Our Father Still Alive. It's when Yosef revealed himself to his brother, he asked the first question, is my father alive? I took it not just as Jacob alive, I took it as the Creator, the Divine God will always be alive for you. Even if you think you lost the direction. Just reach out and you will see. Israel, Am Israel, 
story and remember it's never too late to chase your dream it's never too late to find your goal it's never too late to connect to a real teacher and it's not um, how good is your teacher it's how much you trust your teacher sometimes you end up you know trusting the wrong people I understand I did that so I know I know the feeling it's full of disappointment and um um the point is, you never know. You never know. You never know. You never know who you follow. There might be righteous people that cover by negativity. They look on the outside not so great. And there might be negative people who cover by perfect look and perfect appearance. You never know. It's not the time to check. It's a time to connect. Connect to what they teach. Connect to what they share. Connect to the Creator, the Divine, to God, to them. So thank you, and if I don't see some of you, Shabbat Shalom. Thank you so much for listening.